What's up guys, Saf here on Super Saf Speaks and welcome to episode number 21 of the podcast with myself, your host Super Saf and your co-host Thunder E from Border Work. And I thought it was going to be a quiet week this week, but there's been lots going on. We've got some tech news. We've seen mm-hmm. the first look at the P450 uh, from uh, Huawei. Some leaks around the Samsung Galaxy Buds 2. We've also got some leaks around the new potential Z Fold tab, right? So that's something that's quite unique. Uh, Xiaomi yeah. announced some crazy fast hypercharging. We've got some new ROG laptops that are powered by AMD. And then we've got some social media news as well. So Instagram's hiding likes now. And there's something that I tweeted about, which is the world's first sky pool. You, you want to hear about this one because it's so crazy. And <laughs> so many people were like, it, it, the, the, the Twitter thread just went pretty crazy. And then finally, we're going to talk about what YouTube needs to do for podcasts because we're seeing a lot more uh, YouTubers kind of now also doing podcasts and, and bringing those podcasts onto YouTube. But YouTube doesn't really seem to have a proper setup for that. Anyway, so let's start off with Huawei because uh, this was obviously big news. We had um, the Huawei event, which had uh, a lot of a, a, a lot of uh, info. We had um, the new MatePad Pro uh, 2021 version, which I did a quick unboxing of on, on TikTok and uh, YouTube Shorts. But then we have uh, a little teaser towards the end, which shows the P50. And it's kind of, the, the, the design is very different. <laughs> Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way, okay? Now yeah, we had seen some is. leaks. We had seen, seen some leaks before, right? So we had seen some leaks of uh, to this effect, but this is the first time we've actually seen the official render in the flesh, right? And you've got these two massive circular camera modules at the back, which you know take up more than half. Like it looks like more than half of the back of it. It seems like at least around, I'd say, you know, thirty to forty percent of the back is taken up by these cameras. Uh, there's a top camera module which has three lenses, right? So I'm assuming those are going to be the ultra wide, um, the uh, you know maybe two zoom cameras. But then we've got this massive camera at the bottom, and that almost looks like I'm pretty certain it's got to be one inch, right? What do you reckon, E? It's got to be a oh, one inch a- camera. Absolutely, that's a full one inch sensor. I'm looking at the image right now here on my phone, and you know what? I- I'm happy that Huawei has gone back to its to its main roots with the P line, especially, you know, how they change things with the P20. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've had a lot of setbacks in the last couple of years. They're back now with Harmony OS. And I think having a camera that can really just break things out of the mold, it may not sell as many devices, but it gets the attention right back to where they want it to be. Like, oh, mm. you guys are around. Okay, let's check it out. So let's you know make what? a Go big. Yeah, go big or go home. I mean, I mean yeah. we've seen that with many companies. I, I think uh, the, the, the thing for me is this is what I always say, right? Whether you like Huawei as a company or not, the innovation they bring to the table pushes everybody forward, okay? And that's something that's uh, very important in my opinion because when you see this and then, you know, when you see some of the competition, well, when they see that, like we've already seen Sharp kind of show the one-inch sensor as well. Uh, with yeah. their with their devices, uh, w- which they're also partnering with Leica, by the way. So although Huawei uh-huh. are going to be pa- partnering with Leica for the P50 series, this partnership is no longer exclusive. They're seeing other people now. 
<laughs> so, so it is. Uh, it is. It is an open relationship now, by the looks of it. So let's see. Uh, but I'm. I'm definitely excited to see how it goes. I'm not sure about the design. It's just. It, it is to me now. It's. It is looking like overkill. But at the same time, I'm somebody who also wants really good cameras. So how else can they do that? So I think this is going to be the way that we're going to see. They're going to be taken. Oh. The back of your phone is going to be taken up by huge lenses. No, absolutely. And I think it's. It's one of those things where honestly. Once the images come out and say, for instance, it just looks like a DSLR, and we all go, you know what, whatever, it's cool, Huawei, you did it. Um, you gave us what you were claiming to do. But we all have to wait and see how it actually turns out. So that's, yeah. that's the main thing. There is no set date yet because of the situation with Huawei. So we're going to have to wait and see when that comes. But I'd be, we'd be expecting it coming in the next few months, I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay, now more leaked info so again i've said this before i don't want this to become a leaked <laughs> show but there's so much news and you know this is something that a lot of people like to listen about so samsung galaxy buds 2 now this is a leak through the fcc so there's a buds in the case picture now um reportedly these are in mass production and they have undergone the fcc trial and they should be coming soon so the FCC listing gives us a full glimpse of the buds themselves, as well as a detailed look at the case specs. Despite coming in as replacements for the Galaxy Buds and Bloods Plus line, so they're not going to be replacing the Galaxy Buds Pro. They're kind of um, uh, a, a little bit, they're, they're, they're separate there. So I think these are going to be coming in slightly cheaper. They appear, mm -hmm. to, they appear to have two mics, an inner as well as an outer, an IR sensor for wear detection. So, you know, you can play and pause when you take them in and out and seemingly no out event like the one that we've got in the Galaxy Buds Pro. So those are maybe features that are, you know, um, reserved for the Pro model. And this would also suggest a lack of active noise cancellation. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, we've got a few, few more bits of information here, which I'll throw up on screen. Now, myself and you have been Galaxy Buds users for some time, right? I use yeah. the Galaxy Buds Pro. They're pretty good they still don't fully stay in my ears and you know certain calls like I, I still reject calls when i'm trying to readjust them i've actually had to switch off touch controls completely so they're pretty good but i'm not like 100 satisfied with them now mm -hmm. what i've really liked about the bud series like the buds and the buds plus right is that they're quite affordable i mean you're looking at what around 150 right um for very good to, quality yeah to 200 for the pros yeah, for the pros, but then for the Galaxy Buds and the Galaxy Buds Plus, I think it was, it was around 130 actually, and on sale you could get them even cheaper. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to check them out and uh, looking at the design. Um, have you seen the design here? On uh, they they kind of look a little bit rounded and uh, they, they they look like they'll be kind of similar in the in the sense to the Galaxy Buds Pro where they'll kind of sit in rather than I can't really see one of those like you know those little hooks that we get on the uh, yeah I regular mean, Galaxy I, Buds I think the design for me is closer to the the Galaxy Buds uh mm. the Buds um plus so many buds yeah, yeah <laughs> sorry um the Buds plus so the way the breakdown is the live is when you want something that you can listen to the world around you while you still have you know solid audio coming in. The Pro is basically your highest model. And then the Buds and Buds Plus are literally the beginning low end. This, mm -hmm. I think, is going to replace both the Buds and Buds Plus. 
um, the design is kind of similar. That's what that's the one that sold the most for them, mm. and that's the one that had didn't have active noise cancellation, but it had a really tight seal, exactly. very very tight seal on them. So I think it's gonna it will continue, and I have a feeling that it's gonna be about ninety nine bucks price wise. I just have that feeling that it's gonna hit that price point because I say um, one twenty. You know, I one twenty is 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 a solid price, but I I'm thinking it might be even one ten, so they can always do that ninety nine um, discount. You know, discount. all there, because okay. I because I think in, in terms of the world of true wireless buds, Apple leads the market. Mm. Um, Samsung wants to try and seal up that number two spot, and you know, uh, there's so many other companies in there, and Sony is the one who's you know, we all treat as okay the special special. Uh, solid winner in between the group there. So it's going to be interesting when it comes out because Sony's also making the announcement pretty soon as well. Uh, yes, there's an event coming up soon. So there's yeah. going to be lots of uh, earphones to cover. Uh, of course, uh, I'd say stay tuned to East Channel because I do not cover headphones as much. You can probably see, <laughs> if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you can probably see the collection of headphones that he's showing off with in the background. I do not. I have just a plain background. So yeah, look out for that. But yeah, exciting. I think, I think I'm going to say 120, you're saying 100. Maybe they'll kind of meet us in the middle and go for 110. Uh, 110. But, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but th those look like they're going to uh, be coming soon, especially uh, because of the FCC listing. Right. Yeah. Another piece of Samsung info. Okay. So Samsung has uh, patented, uh, it's a, a new foldable design with dual hinges dubbed Z Fold Tab. Now, this is an article on GSM Arena from our buddy Ricky. Shout out to Ricky. So, um, Samsung is expected to make foldables outside of the Z Flip and the Z Phone lineups. Now, we've got some renders here from Let's Go Digital in mm -hmm. collaboration with Sarang Set. And uh, we've got somewhat of an idea what they might look like. Okay, so the patent was filed with both the WIPO and USTPO within a day of each other. And the patents, um, uh, the patent is titled Method and Device for Providing User Interface in Electronic Device Having a Foldable Display. So it looks like it kind of falls inwards. We've seen something to this, this effect, I believe. Um, was it Xiaomi that kind of like had a concept of something where it kind of yeah. folds inside and then you kind of have the screen on along the outside? Um, it's it's an interesting concept. We've got some really nice renders um, from Let's Go Digital, and this would have uh, so dual hinges, so you'd have essentially three displays, right? So you would have two um, that would kind of fold in, and then you'd have the main display. And obviously, when you'd push it all out, then you'd have a full large display. But what's also interesting is that uh, you could. This is also supposedly going to support the S Pen. Now we've been talking about the new um, Galaxy Fold uh, Three that uh, mm -hmm. should have S Pen support. That's that's what a lot of the rumors are coming up. So if that is the case, then I would not be surprised if this uh, new Fold would also have the um, the S Pen. So for me, it's it's not just the S Pen support; it's the S Pen housing um, okay. that I really like with this because it's not held internally. It is basically taking up the space between the two folds when you fold it into itself, and it's using the magnets across to hold it in place, hmm. uh, which I find really cool. I think it's just a good use of you know design space that you already have there, um, and you know 
it, it looks like Samsung is going to expand the line of uh, foldables to include a tablet range, so aka that should go up to about 10 inches or so, maybe even 12, but I think most likely 10 inches when you open it out. And then you have the regular Galaxy Fold uh, Fold 3, you know, opening to a seven inch uh, book, if you will. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do because this, the next uh, Unpacked event, which we estimate should be around July, August, which is usually when Unpacked happens in yeah. in the fall, um, will be very foldable focused. But mm. I think it's going to be very interesting because Samsung is not going to have very two very distinct dichotomies for two different audiences at that event because one would be here are all our foldables, aka pricing from fifteen hundred dollars and up, hmm. like you know the 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 flip the flip three and stuff like that, and then here's the FE S twenty one FE at pricing at six hundred bucks. Let's mm. go. <laughs> something, some, something for everyone, basically. So yeah. they've uh, they've got for the enthusiasts as well as um, for uh, the general public. But like with this with this patent of this uh, new fold. I don't know. It might just be that they're kind of just getting these patented. They might not actually have any specific solid plans of getting things in, under production. Maybe they're just exploring a few different ideas and they want to get those patented before. What do you reckon? Um, I think it kind of leads to our next topic because if they're patenting this stuff now, we've also heard that um, Samsung will be supplying the LTPO ultra-thin glass to competitors. Uh, Google mm. was name dropped in in the article uh, that you know uh, they might be a pixel you know pixel foldable. Mm. So I think this is Samsung. You know it, now that it's proven it, you you put those patents down, you start setting the stage for um, your supply chain because Samsung's a company is a two tiered company in the sense that they don't just make devices to sell; they also make the components and sell those as well mm. to to their competitors. Um, so I think it, it makes a lot of sense because from the article we saw that uh, Jami was mentioned and Jami has shown different, you know, affordable um, demos or at least, you know, mock-ups to us. So I think Samsung being able to do this and also putting those patents down says it's coming. Maybe not this year, but at least it's, it's now ready to roll out to yeah. themselves and different customers. Because I mean, for me, that outer foldable is is just ne it's never really practical, right? We've seen versions of outer foldables like the uh, Mate X and you know Huawei themselves have kind of gone away from that as well. Um, mm -hmm. So seeing this patent, which kind of looks like an outer outer foldable, as far as we can see, um, to me, it doesn't seem. It, is it like is it really outer foldable? It's more like a a a nip and a tuck. <laughs> really no, I mean right because your but, main display will always be in front no matter what and then it folds down in and then it pops back up yeah so but then but then they don't the, use the, the, the side screens the side screens will still be exposed when it's going in and out of your pocket and yeah the, I mean I mean, the, the, I mean basically the foldable element will always be exposed when it's going in and out of your pocket and that's that's the issue now unless by that time which which is why it kind of tells me that this might just be you know Samsung's exploring a few different ideas and they want to get them patented just in case, um, rather than something that they will definitely be doing and something that's going to be commercially available. It might just be one of those look what we can do sort of things, right? Uh, because they are the leader in foldables. Um, but from what I'm looking at these renders, unless the renders are incorrect, I can't like practicality for me it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Xiaomi, we mentioned, Xiaomi keep dropping lots of, you know, snippets of news. 
And recently, they dropped the announcement that they will have Xiaomi hypercharge technology. Now, this is 200 watt wired charging, which can go from zero to 100% on a 4,000 milliamp hour cell in eight minutes. Okay. And then there's also wireless charging of up to 120 watts, which will give you zero to 100% in 15 minutes, right? And that's just absolutely insane. Now, this also goes back to because recently there was news about the new generation of USB type C cables, right? Which will be able to carry around 240 watts of power, is it? Mm -hmm. So, obviously, with this kind of coming into action, it's like, okay, you're going to get even faster charging on these. Because, I mean, eight minutes, I mean, if you have eight minutes charging, then you don't necessarily even have to think about a wireless charger because surely. Yeah regardless of what you're doing or how busy you are, there's going to be a moment where you need to take a quick shower and you can just plug it in, boom, 100%, you're ready to go, right? Or you're getting ready, whatever it is, right? And that eight minutes would be more than enough. Now, here's the thing. Um, a lot of people are a little bit skeptical because they're like, what is it going to do to the battery in long, uh, you know, long-term usage? Is that going to like affect the lifespan of the battery? I don't know. These are all question marks because that's the first thing that people were saying on my tweet. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that's a very valid concern, but I think that concern stems from the fact that we've had terrible batteries for the longest time for smartphones. You think about it, the reason why we get battery degradation, at least from what I understand, is our constant need to charge. So when our batteries hit 50%, we start panicking and we start charging, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, because we know also how long it would take just to fill that gap. If our battery hits 30%, you know, like we, we go out to dinner and battery hits 30%. I remember when we used to all have events, it's like, hey, hey, who's got a power bank? Uh, I, just need to, I just need to top up here for a second. You know, uh, we always have that. So now you can literally go down to 1%. So here's the thing. As far as I know, again, don't quote me on this, but generally the battery health is best kept if it's in sort of the middle. So ideally, you shouldn't let your battery go down below around 10, 15%, and it shouldn't go all the way to 100%. So you should keep it between 20 and 90% is the optimal that you should keep it at, right? Okay. Yeah. And like, that's, 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 for example, why on a Tesla, you shouldn't always fully charge the car, right? So you should keep it and and keeping your battery at 100% for a long period of time. Again, guys, by the way, we're not battery experts. Some, there's going to be people in the comments saying you guys are just going on. So we don't know specifics, but, uh, you know, in terms of like, I just think the charging technology, unfortunately, battery technology hasn't gone so far ahead where we can have a battery that lasts a week, okay? Uh, If it was the case where we could have a battery that would be so powerful in the same amount of space that could last that much longer, I'm sure there's some things in the works, but there's nothing that's really kind of changed that concept yet. If it does, then I would prefer something like that where, okay, sure, it's going to take me an hour to charge my phone, but it's going to last me a week rather than a day. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, obviously, what a lot of companies are doing to kind of counter that is just increase the speed of charging. So then it's like you can charge it much, much faster with 200 watt charges and things because the core battery technology hasn't really changed. I mean, true. You could also do something like what we've seen with uh, the likes of like Black Shark and the Asus's where it can quickly charge when it gets to 80, 90 percent. It starts trickle charging because you could set that within the the device where um, I believe it was Asus where once you yeah. go to bed at night, um, 
even though it takes only two hours to charge the phone, it can actually stretch it out to a longer period of time or if yeah. you stop charging at a certain point. The, so I think those things will come in to help uh, maintain battery. Yeah, that's battery the, the, those sort of features are now becoming a lot more standard because, you know, battery health long term is obviously still uh, a concern. But um, yeah, maybe if they have a few of these things in place, then we'll see. But I mean, at the end of the day, these devices are obviously just concept devices at, at, at this time. We've not actually seen them in hand. We've not got them on commercial devices. So once we've tested them, you know, in a couple of years, we'll see if that sort of fast charging actually has any long-term effect. Right, right now at this point, we are not experts in this area, so we can't really tell you exactly. <laughs> All right. E, I know this is something that you definitely wanted to talk about. AMD has been in the news quite a bit, right? So yeah. firstly, we've got AMD and Exynos. So AMD brings its RDNA 2 graphics to Exynos with ray tracing and more, right? So yeah. uh, Computex 2021, um, there's the uh, Radeon RX 6000M series of GPUs. And then AMD's CEO, Dr. Lisa Su, talked about bringing AMD's RDNA 2 graphics architecture to Samsung's Exynos chipsets later this year. Now, making its first appearance on a mobile SoC, uh, AMD's RD, RDNA 2 RDNA custom 2. graphics <laughs> will enable ray tracing and variable rate shading on Exynos chipsets. I know you love this stuff, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk about it. What does this mean? Yeah, this this is exciting for a couple of things. So we've heard this rumor. Now it's fact. I mean, we've known it's fact for a little bit, but for the last two years, it was like Samsung and AMD are working together to do something. And everyone was like, okay, whatever. Because we all knew the Exynos was behind Snapdragon, right, mm -hmm. in general. Um, this year, with the launch of the S21 Ultra, uh, we saw that Exynos and Snapdragon are now very very similar grounds, right? Trading grounds. Um, exactly. And word of the AMD-Samsung partnership, uh, there was a lot of rumors that it was going to happen this year. We've heard some things from official press, I mean, some official investor stuff, but this is the first time where, um, you know, AMD CEO came out and said, yeah, we'll be in Samsung devices. Uh, uh, Samsung SSU will be delivered this year. What that means is two things. It means for a mobile SOC in terms of your smartphone, um, this, if it, you know, because it's going to be the same chip and it's mm. also system on a chip, that is the, what the rumors are talking, aka what Apple's doing as well. Mm. This will this chip will work both on a Galaxy smartphone and a Galaxy laptop as well. Mm. Okay, right. And now, and it does two very distinct things on on the mobile side of things. I think you're going to see higher GB performance. It's going to take a while for some of these games to take advantage of it. So, like you, you might see benchmarks that says, oh, it's slower, it doesn't really, because again, it's not coded for it yet. Hmm. On the laptop side, what's really important is that now you have an ARM chipset with a proper graphics card. Now, granted, don't get me wrong, fans of the MacBook M1, it's got a really good GPU. It's not a gaming GPU. It's a hmm. solid GPU. This is this is something that now you can, uh, you can now go, it's easy for that Windows transition to say, okay, now we've got a, you know, a, a snapbook, which is what we like to call them, right? Um, <laughs> but it's not going to, but basically an ARM-powered uh, Samsung Exynos uh, laptop that can run games higher than those 30 frames per second, might even go to, say, closer to 60. What that means is a thin and light laptop 
with probably around close to 20 hour batteries, hour battery, and then you can play Fortnite at 60 to 90 frames per second, or Sweet. even games like Call of Duty at low settings at you know 60 frames per second. That is truly amazing because those things will be priced very differently from your high-end mm. uh, mobile laptops, um, which we'll get to for the next AMD um, announcement. But you're looking at stuff that now comes into the sub $1,000 range, maybe even a 500, depending on what they do. Like who knows what they do there. But it's just the ability to now have cheaper, lighter, longer laptops that also have LTE or 5G built in because it's a mobile SOC. Mm. One. So it's exciting to see that because then it means for someone like me, gaming now just becomes more delineated. It doesn't have to be the heaviest um, spec device. You can now go to something a little bit lighter. Because this is the thing. Whenever you see those gaming laptops now, as powerful as they are, and I've tested some out and they're amazing, you need to make that commitment that you know that it's going to be two and a half kgs minimum, right? Okay. You're not going <laughs> to get a ga gaming laptop that's, you know, and it's. it's you got to go like this. Yeah, yeah. You, you got you to pull out the guns for it, right? Now, um, obviously, if somebody is really into that, they, they'll, they'll, they'll go out and they'll make that investment. But you know, if you want to make it accessible, especially for the casual gamer who still wants to kind of get decent amount of performance um, and also longer battery life, um, you know, it, it really does open up a lot of doors. And this is a trend that we're seeing. You know, you mentioned the M1, you mentioned the Snapbox. This is a trend that we're seeing, and it looks like it's, it's going to become more and more mainstream. Mm -hmm. And AMD are hitting the news again. So. Uh, ROG has uh, unveiled the Strix G15 and the G17, and they are with all AMD internals. So they're the world's first laptops with the AMD Radeon RX 6800M GPU, paired with the Ryzen 9 5 9000HX CPU, all right? Now, you've also got uh, ROG Intelligent cooling innovations that level up performance, and you've got uh, versatile display options that let gamers play the way they want. So you've got up to 300 hertz refresh rate with a three millisecond response time. Uh, that's at full HD, and you've got 165 hertz at WQHD, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, ROG, they just, like, Asus and ROG, they, they just pull up so many amazing laptops all the time as it is but now this is a this is a world's first right and you know amd obviously really pushing the bar here i mean intel we, we, we're gonna start seeing some stuff from them soon <laughs> um, you know what i mean but uh yeah yeah so what are your thoughts on the um on the on the rog amd um, i think what it is is it's very interesting because amd came out last year with the uh, the G15, right? Hmm. The G15 was the first mobile, high-end mobile AMD laptop that had that boasted 10-hour battery life, more or less, more closer to about maybe six or seven. But for a gaming laptop, that was immense. Meaning, most gaming laptops, if you unplug it, you're getting like two hours battery life. Hmm. This, if you unplug the, I mean, the G15 last year, if you unplugged it, you could use it to do your regular task, and you get about seven, which is hmm. solid, right? This laptop is very different because it's the first combination of AMD mobile GPU and mobile uh, CPU. I'm sure they've done it in the past. I can't remember when, but in recent memory, AMD has not produced a mobile GPU that I would care about. Like the Intel stuff was better. That's how bad it was for AMD. Mm. So they have come out with something that performance-wise, it's closer to a laptop like either an Intel with the AMD 
I'm sorry, Intel with a NVIDIA graphics card or mm. even Intel and Intel, that's priced roughly closer to around 2000 It's priced at $1,650. And this mm. is part of AMD's, they call it AMD Advantage package or, or Advantage line. So anytime you see AMD Advantage, it means that this is built to take to use the most out of its mobile processors and pairing it with the best. So the best displays in terms of resolution, in terms of uh, uh, brightness, cooling to match. Uh, once you have that Advantage sticker, it's kind of like the Intel Pro series per se. You know, mm. also the Intel Evo, when Intel has the Evo on there, you know, okay, it's gonna have a set standard stuff. Now, one of the things that also is combined with this is the support for PCI 4.0. Now, for a lot of people, you go like, okay, what does that mean? Now, if you're a Mac user, you understand that your SSD speeds are really fast because it's running on PCI Gen 4.0. AMD's always supported this on desktops, at least for the last two years. And now they are now fully supported on their laptops, which means you're getting much faster, you know, speeds at 7,000 RPMs. Uh, sorry, yeah, um, is it megab megabytes per second? I said RPMs. 7,000 megabytes per second. So really fast yeah. speeds, everything combined together. And I just like the price point. To me, it's it, again, it's it's if you think, I look at it this way, AMD is now going, our advantage line is 1650. So where does that Exodus come, right? It's going to be below, because it's not going to be as powerful. And mm. I'm thinking, now they're setting this standard where we can now see, I want a full gaming laptop. I can spend about 1500 to $1,700. I want something that's light and portable, but lasts me a while. I spend maybe a thousand dollars or slightly less, mm. and I think that's where it's going to be a very interesting market to see how Intel responds. Uh, Apple's kind of Apple has already responded because the MacBook Air is ninety nine, uh, nine ninety nine. You know, mm -hmm. so there's everything's setting in shape, and the PC market is going to be very competitive. Which means for us as users. Whether you're a Mac user or PC user, you're gonna get the best value now because now everyone's going like, oh, we have to do something great, like or else people are not gonna buy. Competition, man, we love competition, and this is this is why seeing new products like this come to the table just pushes everybody else to be even better. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, ROG uh, and Asus always impressed. Uh, still got the Zephyrus Duo 15, which I've been uh, playing around with, which is just a beast, and it's so good. I'm, I'm jealous, man. That's a great laptop, man. Yeah, it's my it's, it's a lone unit, which is going back, unfortunately. <laughs> so today's my last day with it. So uh, I've I've had a bit of time to play around with it, but it, it's it's absolutely epic. But yeah, I mean, lots of lots of new and upcoming stuff in in the laptop space as well. Now we're going to talk a little bit about social media news and, you know, miscellaneous, shall we say. So the first thing I want to talk about is this Skype. Okay, so yeah, I sent it to you as well. And you were like, what? Like, because I just tweeted it out because I saw it. It's, it's getting a lot of attention. So for those of you who, uh, who haven't seen it, right, there is a, a pool in London that is uh, suspended 115 feet above the ground, right? So it's actually, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a transparent pool that's uh, between two 10-story residential buildings right and you can see right through it which just looks absolutely insane now it's a it's like a 10 feet deep pool uh 25 meters uh so you do have quite a bit of space and um uh, you can do your lengths and stuff as soon as i saw it the first words that came to my mind were nope <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, can you imagine like just kind of being there and kind of seeing straight through? Yeah. I'd have to be paid 
decent amount of money <laughs> to 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 go and uh, go into that for whatever reason. See, I I would do it though. I mean, I'm not the best swimmer, so that that's my only problem there. But I actually would do it. I mean, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> so you you'd be more worried about not being able to swim than the actual <laughs> exactly. fear of seeing right through and seeing you know down to your death uh, essentially. Now um, I'm trying to look at some because more I could die, I could die this. easily in the pool itself. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just like we'll have a headline. <laughs> Niger- Nigerian man drowns in sky pool. <laughs> every, every, everybody's gonna be like, "Did he? Did he like go through?" No, no, no. He just drowned. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, uh, anyway. morbid guys. Apologize. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it looks it looks super cool. Um, it's uh, it's it's located. Um, it's the Embassy Gardens, right? Where so is that? it is obviously like upmarket uh, area. You're looking at prices of uh, the apartments starting at around a million pounds, right? So it is it is kind of like a well-off area, and uh, there's around uh, I think there's around two thousand homes in total that uh, you know around that sort of uh, section there. But yeah, I mean, I just saw it and I was just like, I mean, I, I know it's hot and everything, but uh, I I don't think I'll be going in there anytime soon. I'm not sure how. Um, yeah, I I, I I I'm not sure if the access is just to res- residents right now, or if it's going to be opening up. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but from, from it's a no from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no from me. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> what nah, about you guys? I, I, Would you be going in? I, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. I mean, I, I showed I showed board fam, and she's as soon as she saw it, she said no. I didn't ask the question. Just I like, just showed her the photo. That's it. No, the first. That's the first word that comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs> now, another social media news. Um, so today I opened up Instagram and I got a message which was quite uh, different. So it says. Do you want to see likes on posts? And it says, choose whether you can see like counts on people's posts. You can always change this later on in your settings, okay? Now, this is interesting because around two years ago, I think it was 2019, you may or may not have heard that Instagram had rolled out this uh, trial, should we say, on Mm -hmm. only certain accounts where they were not displaying the total like counts on people's images now if you want to look at your own you can tap more and it kind of shows you it's super annoying i found it super annoying now unfortunately i was a part of this trial involuntarily right i was just kind of they, they just kind of picked accounts and I, I i thought that was really like annoying because give people a choice right you know now i i do understand some of the reasoning behind it apparently it's about mental health and you know there is understandably a lot of pressure when it comes to likes and a lot of people use likes as a way to either feel good or bad about themselves because sometimes you post something it doesn't get as many likes it doesn't reach your minimum like threshold or whatever it is and it brings you down and it has an effect on your mood and it can ruin your day and stuff like that so i do get it from that point of view but like for me what was super annoying was because firstly i didn't ask for this right secondly being uh, a content creator this is kind of my world, right? So I kind of have to see, like, especially when it comes to, you know, kind of assessing, okay, is my post doing well in comparison to somebody else? How can I improve this, okay? Why Mm -hmm. hasn't this one got as many likes? Why has my other friend who's, you know, posted got this many likes when mine has this many likes, even though we've got similar audiences, right? And then that kind of, you know, would help me do better in terms of content, right? 
And that was something that was super annoying for me because sure, I could see my own likes, but I would have to go down, uh, you know, a level to be able to see that anytime. I couldn't just see it at a glance and I couldn't see yeah. anybody else's. So what I'd have to do is I'd have to kind of open an incognito window and then look at somebody's profile. That's how I'd be able to see. Because um, it, it, it wasn't like on that, it wasn't there. It was just on specific accounts. So I'm glad that they've got this now. But my message to Instagram is, why didn't you have that choice from the start? Like, you know, why rope people into it without asking them and then not have any way for them to opt out? Because there was no way for me to opt out. Okay. Yeah. Now, I mean, as I, I said, for you. me, I would want likes on there for those reasons that I mentioned. But also, um, you know, when we're looking at the influencer space, for example, right? There's a lot of influencers who, you know, that's their job. That's their primary job. And there's a lot of brands who look at engagement and likes, mm -hmm. et cetera, on posts to be able to assess if they want to work with this person or not. Now, once you remove those, right, it actually makes it difficult for those brands to actually have a look as well and kind of see if this person has just bought a bunch of fake followers and doesn't actually have the likes and engagement that, you know, you would expect to have because you can't see the counts at a glance and you might have to go through some of the hurdles to be able to do that. So in my opinion, I get it that for some people it could have, uh, you know, mental health uh, effects, but give people a choice, which you are doing now. Learn from this and next time don't just throw people in a trial without, without kind of asking them or giving them a way to come out of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the trial thing. I mean, if you're going to be in a trial, you should you should pop up and say, hey, you've been selected for this trial. Would you like to opt in? Opt in? If you opt in, you cannot do this, this, and this. I'm fine with that because then mm. at least you know what you're getting into. Mm. I mean, my thought process is why did they even do this in the first place? Honestly, everybody should suck it up and just deal with the fact that you either have low likes or high <laughs> likes, and that's pretty much it. And I'm not joking, guys. Seriously. I mean, yeah, and I do understand the idea of the mental effects and what it is. Uh, but I also think that honestly, with stuff like that, we also should just keep it front facing. Because, I mean, I don't know, I, I grew up a certain way. So may, this is me projecting my own upbringing. Exactly. You know, like stuff, stuff like this is just not that serious. It yeah. never is. I mean, even though for work, it's serious for work for us where we go, oh man, I mean, I need to get my numbers up. I don't like the way it's kind of slipping down or, you know, what's going on. But again, when we do this, we always look at the statistics and we go, hmm, okay, I was posting constantly for four days. It was working, you know, for the last three months. And now I've kind of dropped down to two days. Maybe that's why. As opposed to the regular user who is going, oh, my likes are low. People don't like me. You have to understand that no one is looking at your content for that specific thing. They're looking at your content as being, oh, this is nice that showed up on my feet, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to SAF. Oh, I'm going to board of work. Oh, it's The Rock. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going there. You know, mm -hmm. so it, it, it's, it's, I think it should be there because people have to understand where they are placed, not in a bad way, as in, okay, I am here. This is where I am. Let me build from here, whether it's build my, uh, my character as an individual or even build the status of my page. And I think, you know, I think what they were trying to do was solve the problem or help solve the problem of the separation between your, your digital life and your physical life. The problem is that's not where it stems from. I think people just have to start getting to understand that the digital life is digital. I mean... You know, yes, you, we've got really great fans. We've got people who we connect to across the world. 
but again, it's still not part of your day to day. Doesn't yeah, physically. But this is this is the thing. I think this is this is a wider sort of issue with social media because you know you're saying because of your upbringing and you know for, for, for me based on my upbringing, right? I can kind of get over that. I mean, sure. I think Instagram and social media affects everybody psychologically to a certain extent. Even if it's slightly, okay? Now, the thing is, when you are a teenager who's grown up with social media, okay, having likes and comments and stuff, it's it's part of what you have kind of been brought up with, right? So mm-hmm. I kind of understand from their point of view that, you know, they it might actually have more of an impact on them, right? Which is the reason why, like, I always tell, like, you know, any kids in my family, I'm like, you have to be 16 before you can be on social media, in my opinion. You don't have to agree with that. You can disagree. But in my opinion, after you're 16, you kind of have a bit more of an understanding. You're a little bit more mature, so you know what's real and what's not real, okay? Like, even myself and E, what you see online of us is probably 5% of our lives, right? Okay, okay, mm-hmm. maybe more. Let's say 10%, right? But the rest of it is stuff that we choose not to share or we don't really want to share because, you know, it's... It's not something that's going to work in our field, right? So understanding that and having that base understanding that what you're seeing online is not always, it's not 100% real, kind of helps you not get into a point where you're going to be like bringing yourself down when it comes to likes and dislikes, right? Don't get me wrong. It still affects me uh, to a certain extent, especially when it comes to like YouTube videos. If they don't get as many views as I'm hoping for, yeah, it's going to suck, right? Uh, but at the same time, I can kind of look past that in the same way, you know, you might see somebody, like I see a lot of people kind of see me and they're like, oh, you've got a Tesla, you're doing this, you're doing that. I wish I had your life. And I'm like, do not wish you had anybody else's life ever. <laughs> do not wish whoever it is that you see on TV, on social media, never ever wish that you have somebody's life because you have no idea what they might have going on in the background which they don't choose to share right and there is always that element of jealousy which is going to come regardless right even if it might be somebody that you really admire and you know you're like oh this person's so awesome if you see something that it's human nature right you see something that somebody else doesn't have you're going to want that right and it's just one of those things so i think with social media i kind of get what where instagram were coming from and i think it was coming from a good place i don't think the implementation was right but my message generally what i'm saying is Everybody has a bit of, you know, with social media, it has a certain effect on on uh, pretty much everybody, some more than others. The baseline is that you always have to understand that what you see online is not 100% reality. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that. I, when I went to get my second COVID shot yesterday, uh, I was talking to the nurse and she asked me, it's like, what do I do? I'm like, uh, I'm a YouTuber. And she said, I laugh. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, life must be great and easy. I was like, I was like I'm, I'm very happy. I'm blessed, but it's a lot of work. And I also have been doing this for, um, you know, 11, almost 12 years. And I explained to her some of just the work process. Um, and because we, you know, we connected because I used to work as a microbiologist years ago. So she's like, oh, so you're in the healthcare. I'm like, look, what you do is rough. And I understand that, you know, but also what I do now is a very different type of work hmm. that, for a lot of people, you just won't want to, you know, people don't understand that we have to, besides what we show, we have to answer your comments. Now think about it in, in a, on a magnifying scale, right? I say, say you take me, I may get like 5,000 comments a day. 
SAF gets a multiplication of five on top of that, right? So in, you move on to anyone who goes higher and higher in numbers, you're just getting more and more. And you always want to connect and try and, you know, connect with your audiences. That's just commenting. You know, we've all see, seen the images on YouTubers showing their inboxes on just emails. Oh, <laughs> Handing God. emails is such a, it, it's such a thing that it's simple, but then when you start looking at it, sometimes I will start an email, I'll look at it, and I, I'm like, Ah, nah, nah, I'm just going to take a break because I just need it's, to. It's need a to lot of work. No, I mean, uh, uh, and on the face of it, again, we're talking about a few of these things, and to some people, we're like, oh, yeah, you guys are just like, you know, <laughs> complaining. It's not complaining necessarily. It's just that what we're trying to say is what you see online is a very small portion. I have oh, yeah. had a lot of. I've, I've worked in a TV video repair shop. I've uh, worked in a call center. I've worked in supermarkets stacking shelves. I've been a wedding photographer. I've done a lot of things in my life, okay? Mm -hmm. Being a YouTuber, content creator, whatever you want to call us, by far is the most challenging, most draining, and most like just stressful job that I have ever done, right? And I said, I said <laughs> I've, done, I've done multiple jobs in my, in my, in my, in my time. There's nothing that actually yeah. comes to this point, right? Which is why, like, I always emphasize this. I try to emphasize this as much as I can on social media without sounding like, oh, this privileged person is just complaining. It's not necessarily complaining. It's just that I'm sharing, I'm trying to share the reality, somewhat of the reality of the situation. So when you're aspiring to be somebody or, or, or somewhere, just know that, look, it, it is going to come with challenges, right? I am. Yeah. I, I used to be. Oh man, I think we're going to talk about this uh, at uh, some other point. <laughs> Separate. But you know the yeah. whole hustle porn thing. I can't believe I was roped into all of that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Everybody work hard, do this, you know. And it's just like when I look back and I'm like, man, I just came across as such an idiot. It's just like you can hustle as hard as you want, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But this whole culture of oh yeah hustle 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 you could do this. it's just like i cringe so much when i see this nowadays and people like just sharing all these quotes and stuff it's like look you do you right everybody's journey is different everybody's things different yes you gotta work hard and if you don't work hard you're not gonna get nowhere and you're not gonna get the success that you want right but also you know everybody's different everybody has their own struggles and challenges and everybody's gonna Skill deal sets. with those differently exactly so you have to kind of work out what your challenge is what your balance is as well right and work towards that basically so look at everybody's situations you look at your situation individually sure get inspired by other people right get inspired by them learn from them but don't try to replicate or like you know be exactly what somebody else is doing because it's it's not what it seems yeah no, absolutely, man. Right. Okay, <laughs> that went a little bit deep, but um, I just I think that was it's good to kind of highlight a few things like this. There's there's other topics that I want to cover on the podcast going forward. You know, kind of discussing some of these uh, Instagram versus reality uh, topics, but we'll, we'll we'll save those for some future episodes. Okay, we don't want to talk about YouTube because I mean we started this podcast a few months ago, and you know what 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 I really like about this podcast is that it's been fun. We can talk about a range of topics. We can talk about things which you might not be able to talk about on our main channels because they just weren't fit. Yeah. But one of the things we've seen a, a good trend on now, right, is there's a lot of um, YouTubers. Now in the tech space as well, you know, obviously I think Lou um, was probably one of the first to kind of really utilize the video podcast format when it comes to the tech space, right? And, you know, he's got his Lou Later podcast. He's got the Clips channel. Now Marquez has now also come onto a video format. We've obviously got Jenner and Justine. We've got a few, right? And there's lots of successful podcasts and there's more and more coming up. And one of the things me and E were talking about, and he mentioned a very good point, was 
that as much as this is increasing and as much as this space is becoming bigger and bigger, we're not really seeing anything on YouTube that accommodates that like it should, yeah. right? So, E, do you want to share a bit? Because we were talking about this and you, you, you were talking about how you would want to see this once you entered YouTube. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that uh, we've noticed over the years when you look at YouTube as a whole is it supports certain categories, but then it kind of lets it wane. And we can also talk about like not not in this not in this episode, but look at YouTube Shorts, right? And mm. it, it's going through that same phase as well. Now with podcasts, we've seen the rise of podcasts uh, in the last couple of years. Joe Rogan has really spearheaded that push where. You know, people come to watch his podcast, to come to watch his clips. And, you know, in our segment, Lou's really taken off that mantle and said, look, I'm going to go with this. And with the continued rise of podcasts, this is something that I think YouTube tends to have hindsight is, you know, like you say hindsight is 2020. They have that retrospective look at things whenever it passes them by. So with you, with Joe Rogan really pushing that, forefront of podcasts i thought youtube was going to use that as the kind of like the catapult to say okay let's do something around this mm. that's kind of come and gone but we've seen a lot of you know not just tech influencers many influencers and creators left and right are creating podcasts for different reasons and different topics now on the technical side of things what i would have loved is youtube to treat podcasts the same way like podcasts are so if the podcast goes up uh, on Thursday, like ours does, right? Basically, there should be an auto download on auto save so that, that comes up immediately. And then you can also roll that out to features where here's the thing, you know, this is where you can now tear things up. We've got the notification bell, but we could also have the priority notification bell on top of that, which now brings the key creators you want to follow or see those videos when it comes up. And it works for podcasts because podcasts are timed. As creators in general, YouTube, your videos are never timed to the T. You mm. might say, my videos come up every Tuesday on the channel, but eventually it's going to be like Wednesday, and yeah. then it's going to be like Saturday, or something I, like that. I think you mentioned a really interesting point, because see, the way I consume YouTube myself personally, right, is, okay, if I get a notification or if I see something, if it's an hour long, I'm, I, need, I need to make a commitment. Like with podcasts, for example, the best time I watch them or listen to them is when you know it's like okay i'm gonna go for a walk i'm gonna put it on i'm going for a drive i'm gonna put it on right now i still listen to so i, I listen to a lot of podcasts on spotify but generally my my go-to is still youtube if there's a video podcast because mm -hmm. sometimes i'll be like doing something but sometimes i want to watch as well so i'll kind of switch between listening and watching now if i if i see something come up on my feed which is an hour long i'm not going to drop everything and start watching it like i would do if it was a five to ten minute video because five to ten minute video is not too much commitment i'm like hey okay what i'm doing here can wait for five, ten minutes i really want to check this out this is this is yeah. this is a review that i really want to see this is a piece of info that i really want now that format doesn't work for extended like podcast level content which is the reason why i think on our channel as well uh the clips have done way better than the full length of podcasts as well right yeah. and and that's something so i think if you know youtube if you're watching you know, we, we, we don't don't get me wrong. We, we love you guys. <laughs> and, you know, we, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for YouTube as a platform. And this is the reason why I was always adamant on having a video podcast. Right. So it was 
I, I didn't want to do an audio first and then video. It wanted, wanted to be video straight from the get-go. And that's because yeah. I think video is so powerful and there's so much more that you can get across in video than you would do just, just, just via audio, right? So I we would like to see maybe like a podcast section on, on, on YouTube, which would make it easier to navigate podcasts and find podcasts that you like, right? And as we've seen over the last year, podcasts have become more and more popular and it will also encourage more people to do video podcasts, not only audio podcasts, because there's a lot of great audio podcasts which don't make it onto YouTube, right? And which yeah. would sit really well on YouTube. Now, if YouTube's got a section, which is for podcasts, that's where you can find your favorite podcast creators. There's more of a system, as you were saying, where, you know, it can download it in the background for you and you can like listen to it yeah, later exactly. on, you can watch it later on, you know, th th things like that, just little features which would help um, distribute those podcasts to more people, make it easier for people to come back and listen to them. And yeah, I think that would just encourage more people to do video podcasts. And it also encourages us to, you know, kind of put more effort into video podcasts here on YouTube. Yeah, I, I think also the, the, I mean, I don't know how things work with the algorithm, but I think they needs to be, because I think one of the things that's going on, in, at least my own logic is, YouTube is the YouTube algorithm is fighting so many different battles at once for the company YouTube. It's continuing its job to basically feed content and keep you on YouTube. Uh, it it now has YouTube Shorts that it has to integrate into in some form or fashion, and it's not doing a really good job at that. And then you have things like podcasts, which are ex basically extended YouTube videos, right? Super extended long YouTube videos that. It likes but doesn't like because it likes long form co content, but not that long <laughs> in the first place, you know. Um, and it, it's trying to figure out what that should do. And I think having having proper categories. And I think YouTube doesn't have a proper category setting because I can't even one of the I think one of the biggest things you find in YouTube is when you start a new account, um, your fresh email account, start YouTube. You can't necessarily even go to categories and select. You're just dumped with all this stuff mm. that it throws at you. And then it's about like you trying to to <laughs> to navigate with that stuff. Unless, of course, there's somebody you already know. Like you go, oh, you know, I met Saf at this event. Let me check his channel. So then it starts feeding you more of the tech. It's funny that you mentioned categories because if you go into the Explore page right now on the YouTube app, right? You've got trending, music, gaming, news, movies and shows, fashion and beauty, learning, life, sports. And then there's a blank space. There's no technology. There's no tech whatsoever here, mm -hmm. right? And what's what's really annoying is that there's actually a space there. So you could actually easily have a button. I'm going to show you this on the screen. Can you see that? Can you I see that screen? Yeah. yeah, so there's like a gap there. It's just like, come on, guys, like, you know, talk about... Because I, I remember there was a survey as well that I was filling out on YouTube. So it's like a creator survey. And I couldn't get past the second question because it said, okay, so your channel name and then it says your channel category, right? And then I'm looking through and there's nothing that actually relates to what I do, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, and there's a lot of tech creators, like we've got a big community here. And clearly, if you look at the likes of, especially Lou, Marquez, etc., they're bringing in millions of views and they're also trending videos that we have. There was one time where me, uh, Marquez and Justine were all trending on YouTube, right? On, on, on the YouTube trending page. So clearly there is a, a, a demand for that content. And if there isn't a category that we can kind of go to, I know we're kind of um, uh, going off tangent here a little bit when we're talking about the podcast thing, but yeah, you know, the, 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 the categorization of content 
there's there's definitely work that needs to be done there and i think one area which we could have is firstly we want tech <laughs> well within the within the uh, explore section but also um it would be I, I think having that podcast section there with some more podcast centric features would definitely help yeah i think so i think i think having those features there but also those features applying across the board because here's the here's the thing that i don't like anymore is that my watch later I don't touch it anymore because I'll hit it, I'll forget it, I get no reminders. Yeah. Um, and then and then also, again, my history is terrible because we watch so many YouTube videos on a daily basis, you can't even categorize that stuff. And I wish your history was tabulated on a daily basis. To me, that would make so much more sense yeah. where w your history, your watch later, because if I do a watch later and I go, oh man, I want to watch this Ah oh, man, there's this, there's this, there's this channel. I saw this thing about a bag. Oh, 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 yeah, it was two days ago. Okay, two days ago. Good, I can find it. But now it's just this running list. <laughs> to yeah, yonder. and, and th the thing is, for us, like for me especially, YouTube is my television. I don't watch TV, right? I watch a few occasional shows and stuff, but not as much as what I watch YouTube. And the thing is, as you were saying, like when it's been two days, you might have watched, like. <laughs> 50 videos in that time, okay? Which is maybe a bit too much, but that's the fact. And then you're like kind of scrolling through, it's like, where was this? And the watch later you mentioned as well, there's a lot of times I'll put lots of things and watch later and then forget about it. Never. And then and then a month later, it's just like, oh wow, there's 20 videos that I put on watch later, but I just completely forgot about. Yeah, so I think that's quite good, like kind of having a few reminder that do you, do you want to carry on? You, do, do you want to watch this in your watch list? And it's like, oh yeah, that, yeah. So there's a few features that I think that would definitely help improve, especially, improve, um, and, yeah. and, and, and that, that would work totally for podcasts because again, podcasts are not something you know especially with this this is already 56 minutes long roughly right it's yeah. probably gonna you know hit the hour mark or, or close to you can't just drop everything and start listening to a podcast right you need to kind of no. schedule that in sometime um uh, and maybe i don't know when you put something and watch later it could just be like hey when do you want to be reminded about this and it's like oh yeah actually remind me tomorrow about it i don't know we're just putting some ideas out there but there's definitely room for improvement and youtube if you're watching and listening um uh, we'd uh, we'd love to work with you, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, uh, if if you take some of this feedback on board, or board, it'd be it'd be great. Yeah, we'll just take ten percent of overall YouTube revenue. <laughs> there comes the businessman, the money maker. <laughs> all right, uh, that's all we have time for, and uh, some some interesting topics today. Uh, if there are any topic suggestions that you have, please do drop us a tweet on Super Saf Speaks, uh, also on Instagram, and uh, we will see you. And next time, this has been your host, Saf on Super Saf Speaks. And Thunder E from Board at Work. And I already said we'll see you next time, but I'm going to say it again because I'm just so used to ending with that. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. Bye. Uh, adios, amigos. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say.